Very good morning, church, and a happy new year. I think it's still okay to say happy new year, right? For Chinese, uh, we all uh, can keep saying happy new year until you get ang pao, you know. <laughs> so it is still a time at the beginning of the year when we are preparing ourselves. And of course, last week, uh, you know, we talked about how we want to have unreasonable hospitality, right? How we can be hospitable to people. And you know, I keep talking about climbing. So I thought I'd show you a video of some of my failed attempts at climbing, uh, and there's some lesson behind that. So we just roll the video, but don't laugh, uh, okay? Uh, I try my best. This was Friday, uh. Now I'm stuck already. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So, uh, now, I, obviously I couldn't get all the way to the top, but, you know, it's quite an effort. But you know what? Everything you want to do, you must put in some effort. Amen? Is this true of everything? That's why you see all this, this uh, today I'm not Pastor Daniel, I'm Plaster Daniel. <laughs> so, but this is the price that you pay to do something. Now, this is true of spiritual things also. You don't automatically become the person God wants you to be. You must put in some effort and you must not give up. Amen? Amen? So we close our eyes huh, and see who is the person next to you. What color are they wearing? Ah, Okay, must put in some effort to take notice, right? What are the three things we say? Must pay attention, right? Pay attention to people around you. Actually pay attention, right? And secondly, I know all of you checking whether you got hair or not, right? Secondly, you must manifest your compassion. Compassion in your heart doesn't do anything for anybody. Lah. You must manifest it. Third one, you must exceed expectations. Do more than what people expect of you. Actually, do more what than what you expect of yourself, right? So we talk about this, but there's actually a very important question that we want to ask. See, where does all this heart of compassion come from? Where does compassion come from? Where does hospitality come from? Is it some people are born with more hospitable, more hospitable personalities, right? Now, I noticed that in the church, not everybody has the same personality. There are all kinds of different personalities. And I used to always do a bit of a quiz with different groups of Christians I meet, you know, with our staff or with other pastors. And I have noticed that in church, there are more introverts then they are extroverts, right? So I'm wondering this morning whether this is the case. So we're going to do a kind of straw poll here, right? If you are an introvert, uh, introvert, you know introvert uh, means don't like to talk to people, uh, shy type. Uh. If you are an introvert, can you raise up your hands? Okay. Those really, really introvert, you can also raise up your hands. Because I know you don't even don't want to raise up your hands. I saw quite a lot of hands. Okay, now, extrovert. you extrovert, can you raise up your hands? Can you see us? Uh, very few only, right? In this case, I would say it's almost 70-30, maybe even 80-20, right? Now, I have a theory why there are so many introverts in church. Because, you see, when you're young, all the extroverts, they go pubbing, they go club, they go disco, they never come to church. But introverts, what do they do? They read Bible, they pray, they go for a prayer meeting. Friday, please come for a prayer meeting. All your extroverts also please come for a prayer meeting, right? That's why you end up being Christians, right? 
So in the kingdom of God, there's a lot of introverts and not so many extroverts. Then how are we going to be hospitable? Okay, this is the question we want to ask today. Where does hospitality come from? Now you remember, when Jesus was telling the Samaritan that, oh, you should be hospitable, telling all of us that you should be like the Samaritan, not just talking to introverts. He's talking to all of us. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus talking to you. So today we want to look at some examples to help us understand how to become more hospitable. We were looking at continuing in the Gospel of Luke. Last week we were in Luke. Today we are also in Luke chapter 10. We read from verse 38 to 40. Now it happened when they, as they went, that he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, the text here says that Jesus was entering a certain village. Never says what village it is. But actually, we know what village this is because, you know, in John chapter 11, we are told that these three uh, siblings stayed in a village in a town called Bethany. Bethany is actually just on the outskirts of old Jerusalem, right? New Jerusalem is very, very big. So it's inside New Jerusalem, but in old Jerusalem, it's just on the outskirts. So we know this being Bethany, Jesus must have traveled quite a long distance from Galilee. Now, Galilee to to Jerusalem today, you take a bus, maybe two plus hours, uh, two, maybe three hours. But if you are walking, that could be a two-day journey, right? It's a long, treacherous walk up and down hill. So it's quite a long journey. And finally, you have to climb all these thousands of feet up to the hill, the Mount Zion where Jerusalem is sitting. So Jesus must have had a very, very long day of traveling through all these different places to come. And we are told that when he entered into this village, he came to a house of this Three persons. Who are these three persons? Well, in John chapter 11, verse 5, very interesting, alright? It says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Do you notice anything strange about this verse? Mary is not mentioned. Only Martha and Lazarus is mentioned, right? I mean, what does it tell us? You know, you, you can speculate why they didn't mention Mary, huh? maybe because she's young. But clearly in this list, Martha probably is the oldest the most important person in this little family. Didn't mention the parents, maybe parents passed away already. So, Martha, most important. Lazarus also the one that Jesus raised from the dead, right? So, Martha, when Jesus came to this town of Beth, uh, Bethany, I, I imagine she was doing her work and then some of the children down the road run the house, hey, Manta, Auntie Martha, you know, Jesus is coming already. And then she would like, wow, take out all her apron and whatever, put her things down, rush out of the house. Where is Jesus? Oh yeah, the dust down the road. Runs out to Jesus and, Lord, welcome to our town, Bethany. You know, hospitable, right? Welcome. Man. If you, Maybe you can scan this QR code, you know. <laughs> Fill your name. Man. Okay, welcome. And maybe take all his barang, barang. But, you know, I think Jesus traveled without any luggage. I, I suspect because Mark chapter 6, uh, Jesus says when you go to any city, only bring your stuff and your sandals, right? And whatever the city will give you, you take. So, I don't think she had, but if he had luggage, then Martha would be, let me carry your luggage, then come to the house. Come, come, come to my house, you know? And then at the house, 
Typical of Jewish houses, they will provide some water to wash because it's very dusty. Uh. So wash your hands, wash your feet, come and sit down in the house, you know, and maybe in the living room, they have uh, some chairs, please sit down here. And then she rushes off, being the consummate host, rushes off into the kitchen, starts to prepare, you know, all kinds of food. I, I, I don't know what kind of food they have, but hummus, probably some bread, some hummus, and maybe, I don't know whether they drink tea or not, but I guess water, right? Long, hot, travel, sit down. Now, this is Martha. She is showing hospitality. She is the one who welcomes Jesus. But then, something very interesting happens. In the midst of this outpouring of hospitality from the heart of Martha, something very interesting happened. She noticed, now I don't know what kind of house this is. I think it's a studio apartment, right? Or maybe uh, the kitchen is open to the living room. So she could see into the living room. Now, while she's doing all these things, she looks in the living room and what does she see? Jesus is sitting there, yes. But then, who else is there? Mary. What was Mary doing? Nothing, right? Sitting down there, talking, talking. And then maybe they're talking, they're, you know, listening to Jesus or telling Jesus, Jesus, ah, this happened and that happened. And then maybe Jesus told a joke. I don't know what kind of Jesus joke they tell her, but ha ha, they're laughing and Wow, they're having a good time down there. Huh? Listening to Jesus, Jesus listening to her, maybe even praying for her, teaching her things. And, you know, suddenly the, her hospitality type uh, dried up, you know. Suddenly not very hospitable anymore. Something inside, she's starting to think like this. Uh, How come uh, I am the only one working here? Right? Before that, very happy. Oh, come, come here. Now, uh, how come I'm the only one working here? And I also want to sit down there, what? Right? But if I sit down there, the bread prepares itself. Ah, you know, she's thinking and the more she thinks, ah, simmer, simmer, then it's reaching the boiling point already, right? How come Jesus didn't notice me? And she was a bit jealous maybe, right? That Mary who was doing nothing was getting all this attention from Jesus. Got all this encouragement, all this affirmation, all this validation from Jesus. So finally she couldn't take it anymore. Lah. So she came out from the kitchen, huh? Ah, didn't bring plate. Nah. She was, now she was serving papaya, you know, her face. Uh. <laughs> and she says, you know, Lord, she asks, uh, do you not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Now, friends, I want to tell you this. This is pro tip uh, for all you people who are getting married and all this. When people ask you, Lord, do you not care with the kind of tone? I tell you, pro tip, this is not a question. This is a statement, right? Married people, you must learn this kind of thing. When your wife asks you, if you don't want to pay, that is not a question. That's telling you, you must pay, right? Many times my wife asks me, um, do you want to fetch me or not? I'm like, okay, what time? <laughs> I grab like this, uh, booking already, confirm already. So Martha was not asking a question, Lord, do you not care? And the answer, actually, I do care what, you know, that's not. She's telling Jesus, I feel that you don't care for me. You left me alone down there. And here is Mary, right? Now, Jewish women, they are very direct. Uh. You know, Japanese people are not very direct. Japanese, uh, they have this uh, term called hone and tatemai. Hone is what you show people. Right? In front, smile. Inside the boiling one, there's the tatemai. There's a real one. But Jewish women, uh, they got no hone. One. Everything comes out tatemai, right? So she tells the truth. I can almost feel the tension in the air. You know, you can feel, whoa, everyone laughing, laughing, suddenly tense already. Oh, 
or you can feel the unhappiness flowing there. Now, why are we looking at this exchange? Because this little exchange, a very small snippet of a text, reveals something very important to us. It's showing us something about Mary's heart, right? It's telling us a little bit about why she's hospitable and what is coming out from her, her own expectations. You see, Mary served Jesus. That's a very good thing. She's, a, she's doing what is right and expect, uh, expected, right? But she also, in the same time, was expecting something back from Jesus. She wanted Jesus to appreciate her. And by the way, there's nothing wrong. Most of us, when you do nice things to people, you want people to say thank you. You want people to appreciate you. So I think she also wanted Jesus to appreciate her. She wanted Jesus to acknowledge, maybe notice her, and maybe you know give her a smile or some word of affirmation. And this is why, when she started to see that Jesus was giving all these things that she wanted, to Mary was doing nothing, oh, she got upset. How can I work so hard to get this? You know, people are like this. Ah. It's all very relative. When you are, you imagine you're walking down the road, a woman ah, walking down the road, you want to buy a, let's say, a coffee machine, you walk into the shop, $99, ah, you think about it. $99, it's not expensive, but then you, you decide, that, okay, ah, I'll look around, then you walk a little while, then you found another shop, $80, wow, 10% cheaper, right? So you grabbed it straight away. Now you're feeling like you, you like, won in the battle or something. You go, go home and tell, you know, wow, it's, you know, people after they shop, they feel like they win or lose one. So I felt like I won already, you know. Wow, you feel so good about managing to get this. In fact, you bargain a little bit, you got it down to $75. You feel like you accomplished something. Uh, so happy. And then you walk down a little bit. Eh, one shop giving it for free. Uh. <laughs> wow, all of a sudden, all the happiness of come. Now you feel what? Like you got cheated, right? Wow, how can it be for free? Cannot... Either you raise your price or you must give me back my money. Right? Cannot be like this. You know, humans are like this. Uh. We are always... Our happiness sometimes depends on the circumstances, very unstable circumstances. So Mary, she's thinking, I am working so hard for all these things that I hope to get from Jesus. How can, how can Mary be getting all this for free? Right? Martha is working for this. How can Mary get this for free? And she's thinking, that's, that's so unfair. So... Hospitality can come from many different places. Actually, at this point, this is what Jesus, uh, Martha decided she's going to tell Jesus what to do. Jesus, uh, I tell you what to do. You tell her to come and work. Tell her that she must also earn, cannot give her for free. Earn, yeah? You must make her earn this kind of uh, affirmation. Don't love her so easily. right? Now, hospitality comes from many different places. A lot of times, hospitality comes from our own desire to fulfill some lack in our heart, right? And sometimes when you do that, yes, it is good that you're serving people, but it is coming from a place that's not so good. You're hoping that people will appreciate you, then you do it. The problem with this is that when people don't appreciate you, then your hospitality will dry up, right? When this person doesn't look like they can reciprocate your good uh, goodness, your kindness, your grace towards them, you will not do it. You only do it when you feel like you can get something from people. This very trans- transactional attitude is a heart of lack. And in the Bible, actually, Paul uses a very strong word. He calls this corrupt, you know. Something is wrong, right? This is not a very pure kind of hospitality. He used the word corrupt. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, 5, he says, men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, right? So you do something godly, kind, love. These are all very godly things. But the thing that make it less than pure is that 
you thought that by doing so, you're going to earn yourself the kind of love, the kind of affirmation, uh, you gain something out of it. So, when we serve out of heart of lack, when we give hospitality out of heart of lack, there is something amiss with this particular action, right? You're always asking, what is in this for me? And if there's nothing in this for you, you will not do it. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus taught us, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you, right? What do you get in return for it? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that, right? And what's the big deal? For, those, for even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those who, from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing in return. Right? Not just love your enemies, love them, hoping for nothing in return. I think you can extend it. Sometimes you may get negative even, right? And your reward will be great. You will be the sons of the Most High. And I know some people will come to this verse and they will go like, huh? Like that only, ah? <laughs> is that is that all the reward is for denying myself, loving my enemies, left, turning in my other cheek, being kind to people who cannot return? And all I get is, you'll be sons of the Most High. Actually, that's why it is. You'll become like God. For He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So Jesus is contrasting two kinds of hospitality, two kinds of loving. On the one hand, a transactional love, right? You love transactionally. You must get something in turn for what you give. And then on the other hand, is this loving and hospitality that's unconditional. You are just good to people because that's who you are. That's what God is and that's what you want to do. Regardless of whether they can or cannot return, uh, appreciate, say thank you, affirm you, give you something in return. On one hand, transactional. On one hand, unconditional. And Jesus says, when you love people transactionally, when you do hospitality to people transactionally, that is reasonable. Even sinners know how to do that. Everyone knows how to do that. This is normal. Nothing wrong with it. It's just normal. But when you love people unconditionally, that is something special. That is unreasonable hospitality. In fact, Jesus says, you will become the sons of the Most High. Now, sonship, uh, sonship is not something that you can earn. Right? You cannot work very hard. You know, I, I became the son of my father not because, you know, primary five, I came home one day with my report card, all A. I said, you know, uh, Mr. Wee, I got all A. And my, my, my father then would look at, okay, now you can be my son. Huh? Because you got all A. Huh? But remember, you get F, huh? no sonship. Huh? It's not like this one, you know. You became a son of your father right, and your mother because you were born in a family. So sonship, this relationship with God, this love and affirmation comes when it is given to you and you receive it. Right? It is given to you as a free gift and you receive it. Now you're a son. You, you don't have to earn it. And Christians are like this. You know, you, didn't, you don't have to earn God's love. God already loved you. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners. Not after you clean up your act and then you became someone very good. While you were yet sinners, God sent His Son to die for you. He loved us so much. And I think this is something quite difficult for us to get in our mind. So I want to say a few things about this. Three things I want to say about this, right? First of all, if you are in Christ, you are already good enough. You are already loved by God. 
You don't need to do something extra to earn God's affirmation and God's attention. That is why Mary did the right thing. She didn't have to prepare food for Jesus to love her. Martha, maybe she is a bit like the elder brother. Maybe this is the elder brother syndrome kind of thing, right? Remember the elder brother and the, and the younger prodigal son, right? Elder brother said, I worked so hard, you never give me anything. This is good for nothing. Son comes back and suddenly you give him everything. This is so unfair. Basically meaning that, well, she, this person must work as much as me. And anyway, I deserve more, right? It's quite a selfish thing that's coming. A heart of lack is also a heart that's quite selfish, lah. Because you're worried about what's lacking. Okay, so you are sufficient. You have sufficient. You have everything you need. God already loves you very, very, very much, right? But you know, we live in a world that tells us the opposite. Every single day in the world, we are being told that you're not good enough, right? If you've got a, if you're a motorcycle, then you have to upgrade to a car. Law. If you've got a car, you want to upgrade to a bigger car. Right? If you live in three-room flat, you should work towards a four-room flat. Four-room flat, try to get a BTO, BTO, try to get a condo. You've got one degree, try to get two degrees. Got two degrees, try to get three, three degrees. Pretty soon, you've got so many degrees, you've got COVID already, right? I mean, this is, this is the world telling us we are just not good enough. The whole economy is based on you feeling not good enough, right? That's why you've got to keep upgrading your phone every year, even though it's completely working, right? You don't need three phones, you only got two years only, right? So how can you use so many phones? So I think, the whole world, it lives on you feeling inadequate, insufficient, that you're not good enough. You know, today, so many, so many of the people today, when they post pictures on internet, it's not a real picture. They've got this thing called filter. I'm not sure how many of you know it. Some of you, maybe you know it very well, right? This filter is just so amazing. The other day, I was looking at one of these things. You can reduce your chin, make your eyes bigger, you know, put lipstick on yourself, eyelashes. It's just crazy, you know? And But people use this so much so that after a while, they think that is the person they should be. They don't like themselves, you know? Right? I believe uh, that in two, three years, maybe four years, five years, uh, someone is going to invent a bathroom mirror. There's a screen inside. When you look at it, it shows you the filtered face built in. Uh. Because people wake up, ah, like that, I'm not happy, uh, right? So they have filtered face. Now, last time, the world was not like this. When we were growing up, we didn't have digital camera. You have only one camera, film inside, right? 16 exposure. So you must choose very carefully. And then once you take a that's it already, you won't know what you look like until three weeks later when you get a stack of pictures come back from the developer, right? They look good or not, that is all you are already. You just have to accept yourself, right? Today, wow. Camera, uh, why you need to upgrade every because take so many pictures. Take self picture self picture, 30 pictures, you know. Look, 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 this okay, this one can. Right? This all angle a bit not. You know, we start to feel like we are not good enough. And all the people try to be like the filtered picture. That's why all go to South Korea, right? <laughs> Why you laugh? You know, right? <laughs> yeah, all of them come back looking the same. Huh? <laughs> so the Bible says you are enough. You are good enough. As you are, you are good enough. God created you. God loved you. Amen? You don't have to earn God's affirmation. Therefore, you don't have to be hospitable for this. Secondly, you don't have to be perfect to be hospitable. Don't have to be perfect to be hospitable. Many times people don't want to show hospitality because they are afraid that maybe what if my offering is not good enough, then people will laugh at me, right? 
Today we compare, you know, just uh, yesterday we had a wedding of Ben, ben and Daphne, uh, our PCC member, just got married uh, upstairs. It was a very joyous occasion. But every time, you know, you have a wedding, there's also wedding dinner. And every time you come to, you're invited to a wedding dinner, you have to actually address a very important question, which is, how much should you put into the Ang Pao? Right? This is a very important question. It comes out in newspaper. They even sometimes publish recommendations of how much. You know, such an important question. So, usually you're about to put money, you ask yourself, 300, 400, inflation, no inflation, what's the economy like, you know? And then you must make it 888 or whatever. 888 is too much. 488, 4 cannot put. 388 also sounds a bit funny, right? So, you go and ask them, hey, how much are you giving, right? Then you, you want to hear that person. If the person say, oh, I'm giving $700, you'll say, wow, $700. Actually, I was thinking of only giving $300 only, but now you say $700, I may have to upgrade to $500. You know, this is the process because when you want to give something, you're always comparing to other people. You know, we heard about this uh, bishop's installation. And being the archdeacon, I get a lot of queries from other churches. So just on Friday, I received a call from another church. And the question was very interesting. This guy asked me, archdeacon, Hey, by the way, uh, uh, is there a policy uh, uh, or common practice about whether you should give a gift to the bishop during the installation, right? Then I think for a while, I said, you know, actually I never thought about this at all. Because uh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not by nature a very good hospitable person, right? And I, I was just thinking about all the duties I have to do on that night. Then, then he said, okay, how much is who's giving? Then I really sit down and think and say, hey, I tell you to be very honest. Ah. Actually, I really didn't think about this at all. But now that you ask me, I get a bit worried. Ah. How much are you planning to give? <laughs> so, because, you know, when we want to give, we always compare. Other people give. Will I be judged by... This is the problem. You give, you give. Lah. Why are you worry what other people give? You follow what I'm saying? Because we are not being judged, our value, our self-worth, it's not coming from the people around, it's not depending on how many people like your, your post. You just do whatever you do. People like, people like, people don't like, it's their business. So when you give, what's important is it must come from an authentic place. It must come from the heart. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, the Bible tells us, you know, whoever gives to the Lord, right, each one let him give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, huh? The necessity of impressing people. The necessity of showing that you're better than other people. The necessity of not offending people. Just giving it out of your heart. For God loves a cheerful giver. Now this is talking about money. But it's also applicable to hospitality. It's applicable to how you love other people. Now when you do this, when you start to think that, you know what, I'm not, I, I'm already loved by God. I don't have to impress people. I don't have to earn people's acceptance. I don't have to earn people's affirmation or approval. Then you can give out this heart. Something happens to you. You also suddenly don't expect people to earn your approval. You don't look at people and say, this person worthy or not. No. Because you already received unconditional love from God. You can freely give unconditional love to other people. Now that's it. We still should try. We should try to be harder. I'll try harder to be more hospitable. But not because you're trying to earn God's approval, but because now you're trying to better reflect the love of God. Right? So don't, don't say that, oh, okay, in that case, I can just be myself. No, you can't just be yourself. Because in every one of us, there's your 
nature, right? Your nature is your old man. And your old man can be good, can be bad, but if you don't control it, it will become bad. And you need to constantly, actively overcome this. Don't be like that. Be a generous person. Be a hospitable person. Be a gracious person. That is something that's a constant battle all of us have to do, right? So you don't have to be perfect. You give what you can give. However much, you know, I, let me tell you, my, my wife not here, I can tell some extra stories. Huh? My wife also started climbing, but to be very honest, she's very afraid of heights. So for the longest time, she refused to climb, right? She refused. She climbed a little bit, take picture, then come down already, right? So uh, after a while, now the, the day that she really started climbing was very interesting. A number of things happened, right? First of all, she went to the place and she saw a small primary school P5 girl. Wow, she just climbed out of the wall. These young kids, uh, they, mm, I see, uh, they don't know about dying. One. They just climb. And she looked, wow, so easy. Uh. Then she also thought, maybe I can do it, right? So she started climbing and all kind of random people just started encouraging her. In, the good thing about in climbing gym is nobody will say things like, like that also you dare to climb, uh, you know. Nobody says this one. Uh. You say that, you probably get kicked out of the gym. Uh. Everyone is very affirmative. Uh. Come on, you can do it, you know. So she climbed, climbed, then halfway, actually she want to quit. Uh. Because she got too high, she just got start get scared. But everyone is encouraging her. So she think, I go up also cannot, come down also pain, you know. So she tried climbing. You know, slowly she overcomes. Now, first of all, encouraging one another is a very important part to become a disciple. Right? When people encourage one another, come on, you can be more... Generous. Come on, you can be more hospitable. We must encourage one another. Amen? Amen. All your job, huh? Don't go and say, no, like that also can give. Uh. No, don't say these kind of things. Right? Encourage one another. And second thing is that, I told her, you don't have to climb all the way. You can climb up to here, you climb up to here. So at first, uh, she take two steps when it come down already. I also don't know what to say. Uh. <laughs> but, but slowly, she get better and better. Actually, I got videos of her doing quite good climbs also, right? But she always be scared. But you know what? You give what you can out of a cheerful heart. This is not a competition. This is not an examination. This is you trying to be a better person in the power of God. Amen? So this is the same for all of us. To be a hospitable church is not an overnight affair. Everyone try. Lah. You can go this much, you go this much. You can give that much, you give that much. But you give cheerfully and everyone encourage one another. Right? And when we do so, that's the third point. We become a mirror of God's heart. When people see you, they'll not just see you, they'll see the love of God. Because the love of God is given freely and unconditionally, right? If they see the kind of uh, transactional love from you, they're going to think uh, God is like this. Uh. But God is not like this. So you need to mirror the heart of God. In, one, in John chapter 15, verse 9, Jesus answered these disciples. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do. For whatever He does, the Son also does in like manner. Right? The true Son, the Son of the Most High, will do whatever the Father does. Not to earn anything, but simply because He wants to mirror the heart of God. So today, you know, some of you maybe, I don't know that, you know, some of us perhaps grow up in households that may not have given us that kind of affirmation growing up. And when I was growing up, typical Chinese household, you know, parents, normally, you know parents, how it is in typical Chinese household, you cannot praise your kids too much in case they become proud or lazy or stupid. Instead, to make them smart, you must call them stupid. It's a reverse psychology thing. Uh. Those of you who are older generation, you understand what I mean, right? Uh, you got five A's. Uh. Someone else got seven A's. Uh. Why yours only five, right? Then you got seven A's. Uh. Someone else got eight A's. Uh. Until finally you get ten A's. Uh. That guy got scholarship. 
How come you could have a scholarship, right? It's never good enough. The, the idea is that uh, you, you just tell them they're not good enough so that they'll try harder, right? I think it's sort of work, but the problem is that uh, all of us uh, grow up with too much of this, we start thinking that we are never ever good enough. So we must always earn love, earn acceptance. Church is not that place. Church, you are just loved as you are. Amen? Right? And then you also don't treat your children like this, lah. Right? Don't treat your friends like this. Just affirm them. Because love is quite powerful to change. So, Chinese families like this. So, some of you, perhaps, you grow up, your parents never tell you, wow, good job. You know, good. I mean, some of us maybe do, but some of us, perhaps, who knows, you're carrying that burden. Now, there are also other people who perhaps you've been rejected. You know, too much pain in your heart. You know, one of my friends uh, called me recently. You know, this is a time of year when many of you get your performance appraisal. Right? Am I right? End of year, Wow, and this is you know, quite a scary thing for some people. Nowadays, uh, performance appraisal is how, you know, they call it 360. 360 means ask everybody about you, you know. Everybody will collectively judge you. So when you go in and sit down, you wonder what is the judgment of everybody. You know, so you're very scared. You want to impress people. You want to earn, make people like you, earn that. Then they open up now. This friend of mine, he works so hard. He was a crazy hard worker. I, he tells me he don't even have time to go toilet now. I said, huh? No time to go to the toilet. Are you a pastor or not? Because, you know, I thought only pastor like that. <laughs> now he said, no time to eat, no time to go to the toilet. When he's on leave, he's working. When he go on holiday, he's working. No time at all. He's worked so hard for his company, you know. Quite well-placed guy. Then when he got his performance appraisal, he told me, that is the grade nah, I give to my non-performing person. Right? So he was very discouraged. So now nah, he don't work so hard already. It's like, no motivation. Listen, if you work hard for people's approval, you also stop working because of the lack of people's approval, right? You live by the sword, you die by the sword, right? Christians cannot be like this. You already have the love of God, and I want every one of us to be able to experience the healing love of God, right? Today, as we close this prayer, maybe there are some of us here who needs that affirmation. You need to hear God tell you, good job, my son, right? Daughter, you have done well, my beloved daughter. You need to hear that because God really loves us like this. Amen? Would you close your eyes as we pray? Lord, we thank you, Lord, because you love us unconditionally. Every one of us. When we came to you, we were nothing, we were sinners, and yet you already loved us so fully. So, Father, I pray today, even as different ones across this room, as we present our heart to you, some of us maybe have a gold-plated heart, but most of us, Lord, it's a broken heart. It's a bruised and battered heart with many injuries, many scars. But Lord, we present this to you knowing that you will not break a broken reed. You are a God who is so compassionate to us. And right now, Lord, would you just let the healing mercies and grace and power of the Holy Spirit wash over all of our hearts. Take away all the bitterness that the years have left, all the sense of inadequacy that we have accumulated. Lord, we know old habits die hard. So we pray that your Holy Spirit will help us now to overcome the old man and replace it with a resemblance of God to become sons and daughters of the Most High God. And all across this room, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Heal us Make us a people that are able to reflect 
your hospitality to a very, very broken world. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Church, we stand together as we sing this song. today, perhaps some of you can relate to. I don't want you to take this very lightly, even though we try to share it in a light-hearted manner. It is a very serious thing. It really can impact you very deeply, right? So don't sweep this under the carpet. Do something about it. You know, be free from, don't walk around your life carrying these old burdens and baggage and chains, right? Now in our church, we have inner healing and deliverance ministry. You can come and talk to them. There'll be people who are willing to, you know, take time to sit through uh, sit and walk you through some of these things but you can also come forward talk to some of our pastors if you feel like you know there's something that you want someone to just stand with you with after the service some of our pastors will be here alright so you, this is a community where we encourage one another so let's do that right Lord we thank you for your kindness now Lord even as we go from this place with full hearts filled up with your love help us now to overflow this love to all those around us. Blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, go with every one of you and your families now and always. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless all of you. Service is over. If you are guests, please join us in the welcome corner. And the rest of you, just go outside there and have some fellowship. I'll see you all back next week. God bless you.